This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, you know that I live in Naples, Florida, and for people who don't know, Naples, Florida's kind of an affluent community, and Julie and I were driving north on US 41 today. We had to go up to the bank in Bonita Springs which is about 15 minutes from here. And we drove past a Ferrari dealership that I didn't even know was there. And <laughs> it got me wondering what's going on with Ferrari. Because I, I thought about pulling in and just asking them. And then I remembered we were recording tonight. <laughs> okay. So Ferrari, the goat uh, just got her leg brace off. And the vet was all excited, and she's like showing me the before and after X-rays and everything. And when I saw those before X-rays, my stomach just went. <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad. Um, and she's just about healed up. She said, you know, she still needs to be cautious for the next two to four weeks, um, and not like she said. You know how goats like they do that headbutting thing with a rear up on their back legs and slam their heads into each other to all say right, hi. Just for listeners um, out there, all of you who do know that, raise your hands. <laughs> Come on, you've seen YouTube videos. And, you all know. right, for all of um, you listeners out there who watch YouTube videos of goats, raise your hands. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm weird. Anyway, that's what goats do. And that would put a lot of pressure on her back leg. So she was like, you know, if you can just try and keep her away from that type of activity. Like, yeah, we can totally keep goats from doing being goats. But in this instance, you know, we have her in with just her mom. So it's okay. So that was a big concern is that, you know, she's going to immediately start putting a lot of pressure on this leg and maybe refracture or break it. Except she did the exact opposite thing. I don't think she's let that foot touch the ground. Oh, in the whole time since we brought her back. And I'm a little concerned about it, actually. Uh, you, you would think by now, because it's been a couple of days, that she would at least start, you know, somewhat walking on it. But she is limping on three legs as if that leg doesn't exist. And I, I know that part of it's because the last time they bound her leg up, it the there it was done in such a way accidentally that it sort of was abrasive against her and it kind of rubbed her raw so she really wasn't putting any weight on the leg and that and that was good because it's what it allowed it to heal even though it was an accident she wasn't putting any weight on it but now that the brace is off she's still not putting any weight on it and now I'm a little concerned so if she doesn't start walking on that leg within the next few days I'm going to have to either call the vet or bring her back which I'm really not looking for forward to um so yeah fingers crossed everybody send good thoughts this way and hopefully she'll start walking on it but it was really fun because that particular vet has goats of her own and got to talking and she's like 
asked about how old Ferrari was and she's, you know, what the, if we were planning to let her have babies or whatever. And she's like, she's got a really good build for, for a goat. Like she was just admiring her and I'm like, yay. And I was all happy and proud of myself, even though it was, you know, really had nothing to do with it. It was like, Oh, I have a good goat. Life on the farm. All right. So you, you have been, furiously working away on a project of yours and it's caused you to come up with our topic for today which is knowing when to enter and how to exit scene yes and i can't say that i actually have the answer to that it's something that i'm currently dealing with so um this is going to be a little bit of a rubber duck debugging show uh rubber duck debugging is well, you can Google it for the exact definition, but it's a programmer's term of where, you know, you sort of talk out your problems to the rubber ducky. And by talking it out, you sort of come up with the solution. So I'm not really going to do that in the sense that I'm looking for a solution, but I want to talk about one of the big issues that I'm up against right now. It's very frustrating for me. And, uh, Maybe some of you who are out there who are struggling with your own writing will take comfort in the fact that this is just part of the process. So if you've been following the show, you know that I am working on the eighth edition of my Vanessa Michael Monroe series, that this book has been an albatross around my neck because of all the stops and starts that have happened in trying to get it written, then also dealing with the big brain break and not really writing to full capacity. And all of this is all mixed up in this, right? So I, prior to having to stop on it yet again, and prior to the whole big brain break thing, I had been writing it sort of serialized where I would, as I wrote chapters and got the drafts moving forward, I would compile them into what I would call a sneak peek ebook and I would post them, post the link on for my patrons and then they could download it and follow my progress and see the changes from draft to draft as I would go back and change things. And then this whole thing happened with Riding Liars Legacy and the Brain Break and whatever. And it's been about two years since I've posted an update to that book. And I started writing it again, picked it up again, like, okay, I think I'm healed enough now that I can get back on this horse, but not just any old horse, this is the most buckingest, meanest horse around, and try and, and ride again. And I, that was like very late last year when I started getting back into it. And every time I do this, it's like I have to go back to the beginning. So the, the beginning of this book is really great. And then as it goes on, it gets worse and worse and worse. And so, and by that, I mean, you know, just the quality of the storytelling, quality of the writing, because, you know, it takes time to get it right. And so because it had been so long since I'd posted an update, I've, I've felt this pressure of like, I need to get an update up there so that my patrons, the people who are supporting me and letting me do this, don't think that I'm just like goofing off and playing with my animals all day or something. I really am working. So I had written something online in, in a Patreon post a couple weeks ago saying, all right, 
I had wanted to get past this part where I always get to and then have to stop and like really get past that and start making headway on this before I post an update. And then I hit this stretch where it seemed like I was writing the same chapter for two months. And it just kept going on and on and on. And I was getting more and more frustrated and more and more angry with myself. Like, how could I not be done with this yet, at least to this part, and be able to post it? And I did a word count check on this segment. And it was like 11,000 words. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then it's not one chapter, it's four. (laughs) So at that point, I started going back and trying to find places to break it up. And once I started breaking it up and chunking it down, I sort of was able to get a grasp on it. So what I had told my patrons was, all right, as soon as I can get this last, this second or third part of these four chapters finished good enough, I'm going to go back to the beginning just to polish things up a little bit, and then I'll get this uploaded. So that was my intention. And as with always with me, it keeps going and going and going and going, right? So well, the reason I had gone back to the beginning on this again was not to do another redraft or a rewrite because I had really overhauled this. Starting in December, when I went back into it, I, there was so much about it that I wasn't working for me. And by that time, my brain was finally working well enough that I could see what needed to change to make it work. So even though I hadn't made a ton of forward progress, I completely just rewrote huge segments of this book, like restructured, deleted huge parts, uh, put some of that information elsewhere. It changed the, didn't change the story, but it changed the pacing and the structure of the story somewhat. As you write, at least for me, as I write, the story starts to become clear in my head. So when I first start out, I have an idea, very, very rough idea of where the story's going. And this might actually make for a whole episode to go more in depth in this, but very briefly on it, I have an idea, but I don't have all the details. Like I kind of know where the story's going, but I don't actually know how it's all going to come together. And that part comes together through the story writing process. And as I write, certain sometimes things change. So Things that were written in the earlier chapters might not make sense anymore based on how things are now later in the story. And you have to go back and and reconcile it all to make sure the logic holds throughout. So at this part where I'm getting ready to upload, I needed to go back and make sure the logic held and change whatever needed to get changed. So I'm going back and I'm revisiting the story. And on one hand, I'm really, really proud of myself because I'm like, this is really tight up to a certain point for this this level of drafting, it's really tight. And I know the condition of my brain when I was doing this. So I know how difficult it was to make that work and somehow I managed to do it. But as I get further and further into the story, closer to the material that was that like massive, long 11,000 word thing that I had to break up, I'm getting more and more unhappy with it. And I realized that there are, there are pacing issues that I haven't quite figured out how to resolve. 
which is what brings me to today's sort of issue with scenes and how to enter them and where to X them. And so I have these 11,000 words and they're more or less broken up. But leading up to that point, there's a lot of transition phases. Like so much has to happen to get us to this point in the story and where the story is now is where it takes a massive turn where all the information that we need to know has finally been laid out and the real action starts. So up until this point, what I'm getting down on the page mostly is stuff that's not actually happening in real time. Things that are becoming clearer to the protagonist all these murky wheelings and dealings is a very, it's not so much a complicated plot as a murky plot. It's a, a, a story in which so much of the conflict comes from Monroe going head to head against an unknowable, unseeable enemy who knows everything there is to know about her. So there's a lot of mind games going on. And in the story, I use the, the phrase wilderness of mirrors. So I didn't coin that. It's, it's actually um, an intelligence, encounter intelligence terminology. But it's what happens when there's so many uh, mind games going on, you don't actually ever know what the truth is, right? But when you're writing fiction, you have to eventually get to a point where your readers know what the truth is insofar as what your character understands it to be. And so, so much of the story up to this point is laying down the mind games and how she figures out what the truth actually is and how she's dealing with these mind games to get her to the point where she makes the decision to go off on a different direction in the plot. And so what I'm up against then is how do you show that, right? How do you show these things? And it's one thing. So one of the techniques that I often do is instead of having to drag it out, I want to get the plot moving, want to keep things moving, keep it interesting. And instead of showing it all in real time, I'll jump forward, put her in the present. And then as she's going through the present, sort of summarize and reflect back on what had happened in between the chapters. And it's a, it's a technique for just cutting through all the blah, 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 blah of info dumping, just make it fast. And it still happens in tiny scenes, sort of, that are scenes within scenes because it's flashbacks. But the question still arises of where do you start now? You know this thing is going to happen, right? So let's say hypothetically we know that your character is going to meet someone and you know that this conversation that she's going to have with the someone is a turning point. But leading up to that conversation, there's so much information that has to be dumped without dumping. So where do you start that scene? Do you start that scene with her meeting the person and then keep interrupting it with a bunch of flashbacks? Do you start that scene with her heading to the meeting? Do you start that scene 
after the meeting and make the whole meeting a flashback elsewhere. And this has been my struggle all the way up to now with so many scenes because so much of what's what's happening is not, it's necessary to know for the rest of the story to make sense, but not necessarily something that's interesting to see happen in real time because to have all of that happen in real time, I'd have to add like like another 30,000 words to the story just to build the conversations and build the settings and everything that goes around them. So I'm shortcutting all of that stuff, but then not knowing how to do it. Like, okay, fine, all of that is shortcutted and it's it's done in flashback, but what are the brackets holding that together in real time? Where do you start a scene? How do you get the character into motion and still tell everything that has happened before in a way that's interesting and not super interruptive and it doesn't break up the plot. And the scene that I'm working on right now, it's the final chapter, no, second to final chapter. And I think I finally got it well enough of this material before I can put, assemble this thing for upload. And in this scene, Almost the entire scene is walking. It's getting from here to there. Four freaking thousand words of that. But in between it, like from the starting of the walk to the ending of the walk is backstory. It's, it's all the stuff that's happened in between and all the things that she's figured out. And my concern with it and it's stressing me out so much is that it's too much backstory that keeps interrupting the forward movement and I don't know how to do it any other way it doesn't feel boring it doesn't feel boring in the sense of someone's just walking from here to there it doesn't have that aimlessness it doesn't have the navel gazing it doesn't have any of that but it's like every new turn or every new step leads to another memory. So the whole chapter basically is flashbacks sandwiched with very, very thin slices of character in motion. And I, I think I'm too close to the forest right now to fully see the trees and it's just eating at me because it feels so unsatisfying but that could be just because I'm in it, full, like always in it. And it just seems like so long that somebody who's coming to it fresh might blow right through that and be ready for the next chapter and not even realize it. And I don't know. I guess I'll find out when that sneak peek goes up and the first readers start reading it. They might have some feedback for me on that. But that is my frustration. And it was a big issue for me also when writing Liar's Legacy, which was that hugely complex, killed me book. Uh, from the Jack and Jill series is you have all this stuff that you need to sh show, but where do you show it? What, how does the scene work, right? What, what, what should the scene even be? Because the scene is not the action that's happening right then and there. I mean, it is as the reader's reading it, but it's really exists to convey this other information. And you're building the scene, structuring the scene in order to convey this information. If you haven't done a lot of creative work already, haven't finished the whole book, you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Like, 
so a scene is a scene. But the thing is that stories, that's what stories are. They're a string of moments that are shown vividly one after the next. And each moment that is vividly shown is conveying information. And the most exciting information you can give is when it's happening in the moment. That character's conflict, the the conversations, the the mysteries that are unfolding, whatever it is they're dealing with in the moment. And while backflashes can also sometimes be interesting and definitely keep you reading, they're never quite as interesting as what's happening right then. Because backflashes, things that are happen that are related have already happened. It's already happened. So there's not that sense of urgency or that sense of, hey, we're moving. It's more a sense of, hey, let me tell you something interesting that you need to know. So wrapping us back to the full circle again, scenes, right? How do you enter a scene? How do you exit a scene? And sometimes that's really easy to answer because this thing needs to happen. So when I'm dealing with something that happening in the moment. Monroe needs to meet someone. Okay, that's a scene. This conversation needs to happen. That's easy. But when there's all the backstory that needs to get slipped in there, not so easy. And that's what I'm up against right now. And I know I'm not the only one. Maybe Steve has some answers for me and solutions. <laughs> but that is that is a big part of writing fiction. And Steve, I wasn't laughing um, thinking that you didn't have, like, you couldn't possibly have solutions for me. I meant it more like I'm ridiculous that I'm just like, help. You're by digging stage, the hole I should even, know you're, what you're I'm digging doing. the hole even no. deeper. <laughs> <laughs> by this stage, I should know what I'm do- doing. And I'm just laughing at myself like I am ridiculous. But <laughs> sorry. Right, so let me, <laughs> let me, let me ask you a couple questions. Yeah. All right, so the the first thing that pops into my mind is this is so not a Taylor solution to this problem. And so I'm really I'm going to be really curious to see it and I'm I'm sure that the many of us who are listening are going to be curious to see how you did it and how it comes across. I'm I'm actually really excited about it and I'm I'm curious to know like exactly where it is. So we know when to look for it because we might just get so sucked into the story we might miss it and have to go back and see. But so it's just I'm Monroe going... walking by herself, right? Yeah, that's all it is. The whole scene is her walking from point A to from where she and the scene opens with her getting off a tram, and it ends with her reaching her destination. And she's just walking and ruminating or is she walking and figuring things out or both? She's walking and analyzing and and studying the environment. Pretty much that's it. Oh, Um, that's an interesting little twist there, the whole studying the environment. Are you talking about studying the environment as she's walking, like where she's walking through? Yeah, so... Okay, spoiler alert. I don't know if what spoilers are going to be, but just potential spoiler alert. So in this story, Monroe is essentially a caged animal. And in this scene, it's the first time that she's been set free. 
but she still got she still got a choke chain, uh, electric collar, metaphorically speaking. And so the scene is lining up everything that led to her being released, everything that is going through her head on why she's following their instructions to the letter and where she's supposed to go, and whether she thinks that if she enters what she infers as the kill zone, it's going to be her head instead of the target's head, and why. The uncertainty of not knowing if she follows through on this, if it's going to get her killed or not. And the, and the logic and the reasoning for why she does everything. And when she's almost there, she gets a phone call from somebody that she doesn't know who it is. And she realizes that the game just changed. Not a phone call, a text, right? The game just changed. And it, it's telling her, basically, call if you need help. And she realizes, all right, everything, things are not what they seem. And then she gets to the spot where she's supposed to go. And that's the that's 4,000 4, at least words of that, right? But it's laying down her thoughts of why, 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 so that when she finally gets there, and even then when she gets there, the next scene, there's she meets this person, there's still the, the twists just keep coming. And she's trying, it's like this puzzle that's constantly in motion, and she's trying to figure it out. And she realizes it's not one wilderness of mirrors, it's two. And she's caught right in the middle of them. And she doesn't know anything. It's this, this uncertainty, the unknowing, and trying to convey why she's making the decisions she's making based on the fact that she doesn't know what she doesn't know. She's just being swept along in this thing. And the only thing she's certain of is that by the time she gets to the end, she's going to be dead. So it's this it's that's that's just how do you convey all of that and keep it moving and keep it interesting and then she gets to this conversation that she's supposed to be in and completely takes it off track because she's starting to find she's starting to put together pieces of the puzzle that she realizes if she's caught between these two worlds neither one of them actually has the full picture but she's in the middle and she's starting to see it so what's she going to do with it but that's all internal. So how do you set that in a scene with action and character and motion? Because it could go anywhere. You, you could it could be anything, right? And so get and then breaking it up so that the scene starts and the scene ends, and then you want to keep turning the page to find out what happens. And I don't I don't necessarily know that I'm doing it right. <laughs> it's it's a lot of uh inside the head stuff and inside the head stuff is not as interesting or as captivating or as page turning as action. And I'm like, I just got to get, get past this part and then all the action will start, but it's taken me <laughs> half a book to lead up to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to read this. I'm really excited about it. So what I'm hoping to do is I'm going to, once I can get this thing compiled and uploaded, I'm going to put together, um, my thoughts. I wish I had been doing this as I wrote it, but you know, it's been so ongoing and I should say as I rewrote it, but it's been such an ongoing process. My brain has not really been working well, but to, to say, here's what I did and why 
here's my worries. Here's where I think this chapter might not work. And so in that, you'll find the spot because it'll be there for anybody who wants to read it of, I'm really worried that this chapter is not working because X, Y, Z. Yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be fun. And we are recording this on September 13th. Do you have any idea when you're going to post it? God, I can take I this part out. No, within this week. I mean, it has to. I I have to. I was supposed to do it by the end of last week. So it'll, it will already like, be out more than likely before this podcast releases next Tuesday. I hope. <laughs> if it doesn't, I don't. <laughs> you know where the Facebook group is. Go and ask her where it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's the frustration with this. Like I was all excited thinking, okay, cause today cause I've been working on that scene, like the last several days, like this scene was quote unquote scene was why I had not been able to get the material finished. So today I, or late last night, I finally was like, okay, I think I got it now. And I, was like woohoo home free and i clicked over to the next chapter and the whole opening sequence is just diarrhea verbal diarrhea like i had obviously at one point written it and thought and thought okay i'm just gonna bypass this for now and keep on going and so went and wrote the whole rest of the scene and just left that verbal diarrhea there so now i'm like right back at the same like uh not home free. I got to start. How do you start the scene? <laughs> you know, And it's not even, it's not even like it's starting from scratch. It picks up right where the last chapter ended, but you still have to work the information and manipulate it in such a way that it feels like a scene opening. And to that end, while I was going through this material, I hit this one chapter in the middle that was way too long. I think it was like 6,000 words. I don't care how interesting the story is. 6,000 words is way too much to just go through unbroken. So I found what I thought was a pretty good place to break it. But then I got to start the scene from scratch. Like you have to recraft the material to work, to fit a chapter opening, even if it's, you're not changing the story or even changing the scene. So there I just put bracketed notes. This chapter was too long, had to break it into, it's going to take me time to rewrite these opening sequences. So I'm just dropping this note here and then moved on. <laughs> but I can't do that for the parts that I'm working on now. So yeah, I'm just like, this is the, the frustration. And when I get like this, I start second guessing myself. And I want to just delete it all, not the whole story, but I'm like, maybe I'm not even telling the story the right way. Maybe the whole thing needs to be deleted and I just need to rewrite it from, from the beginning. Well, maybe from chapter four. And that's how I felt through most of the process of writing Liar's Legacy is this just sucks. And I need to, I wish I could just nuke the thing and start over, but I'm so far in that there's no way to do that. The only thing I can do is just keep going. And I, I'm starting to feel that way about this story too, without the deadlines, thank God. Um, I have not gone back and read Liar's Legacy 
I, I can't bring myself to do it. There's so much trauma uh, wrapped up in that story that I have not put enough distance between myself and it that I can safely go back and read it and not just feel this just overwhelming angst. So I'm, I'm hoping to avoid that on this round. But I, but I do really feel this sense of this is just awful. This is terrible. I'm not doing this right. So if you guys ever get to feeling that way, hey, we can commiserate together, I guess. It's just part of the process. So anyway, uh, this was not this episode was not as much about how to actually enter an exodus scene as I would have liked it to be, because I'm just uh, babbling here about my my issues with not knowing how to do it. But I'm hoping that maybe in the future <laughs> I'll have learned something and I can look back on it and say, OK, here's what I did and why. And that might be helpful. All right. So that is it for this show, which is episode 302. Amazingly enough. Uh, thank you, Taylor. We will be back with you again next Tuesday. <laughs> I hope to see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>